Is it on? Welcome to the Shant Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. All right, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Shant Show. Sorry it's been a while. The holidays kind of caught us all up, and uh, we didn't really get behind the mic all that much. So we're here now. Coastal Carolina is victors over San Jose State in the Hawaii Bowl. Not a victory I anticipated, uh, and one that I don't think a lot of Coastal fans were. Now Jordan and, and Josh were more optimistic on the pregame episode, but we're here now. Uh, It's a couple weeks after um, recruiting early signing day has happened. We're now heavy into the off season. So this won't be so much a a post game episode like you're used to where we get into the nitty gritty. Oh, there was this number of first downs and this play really solidified it. We're more turning this into um, our reactions to that victory and what it means going forward and our initial uh, takeaways from the early off season. With that, I'll go ahead. I'll turn it over to Josh this was a game that that a lot of fans, like I said earlier, were not anticipating Coastal would even be competitive in. I made mention on the pregame episode that, you know, they had like nobody going to the game on Coastal side. Like everyone was in the portal and those that weren't in the portal were getting ready to graduate and leave. Like it was such a weird game. And, and for San Jose State to open up as 10 and a half point favorites was not uh, a surprise, really. Josh, they won this game. They're headed into the offseason with, with one last victory. How much does that mean? And and how much does overcoming, you know, everybody saying you won't do it matter to a team like Coastal? Yeah, so we said it like the entire the, the month leading up to that game. And then in the pregame episode, you win that game and vibes are going to be high for a long time. And being in Conway still and around the program, guess what? The vibes are still high. They are riding that Hawaii Bowl victory. Um, they're going to get those Ohana shirts in the the Teal Nation stores, in the Hackler stores, and they're they're working on getting those proceeds to be like nil funds. Like the vibes are high, and that's what we said. If you finish the season on a high note, that's going to change the perception of of the season. Really, we go eight and five. You win a bowl game. Tim Beck has now won the same amount of bowl games as Jamie Chadwell has, like just saying. And for what did Jordan said something on the pod, and we we can talk about this all day, but he talked about Sam Pinkney stepping up and having a legendary performance. And that man just that is that is how you go out. That is how you be a legend in coastal. And like they said, he's was at Georgia state or whatever, but no one's going to remember Sam Pickney as Georgia state. He set the receptions record here. He set the, the receiving yards career record technically here. Um, he broke a lot of records and then he had the one hand snag, which is one of the greatest catches I've like ever seen. And we win the Hawaii bowl. Ethan Vasco is extremely competent and throws for three touchdowns, which surprised me. And I think he's got a real shot to win the starting job next year. And I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, But yeah, vibes were high. And if you finish the season with a win and bring that pineapple trophy back to Conway, and we didn't even talk, get a chance to talk since then about the whole Tim Beck photo and everything. And that was legendary in and of itself. But 
overall vibes were high and, and they will be for a while. And it's the perfect setup to go into the off season. Can I just say that photo would have been such a nothing photo if they hadn't deleted it. Like that photo was awesome. And that should be a photo that, that should hang in, in Tim Beck's office from now till forever. But like, that was such a non story and such a non thing until coastal deleted it. Like then it became this legendary status photo. Like it was just, it was just him with the dance team on the beach. Like they're in Hawaii who gives a shit. But now it's on t-shirts and I it got Beck, posted on TMZ. Yeah. Like it's going <laughs> to, he's going to have to answer questions about that in his, his press conferences going into like spring training and shit like spring camp. Like you, Tim Beck hates that photo and it's one of the best photos Tim Beck will ever take in his life. Like, come on now, <laughs> Jordan, I'll turn it over to you. This is a is Coastal's only second bowl victory ever. I know it's a new program. We're headed in the right direction, it seems like. But how much does this solidify those feelings, the, the feelings that Coastal are, are growing and they're going to continue to be competitive at this level for a long time to come? I think it, it's a, it's huge. I mean, we, we came into this game saying that this was a big game for Coach Tim Beck and for the coaching staff, for them to try to get this win. I mean, this is huge, you know, when you think of all these big programs, you think of all the trophies that are in their trophy cases at their universities. This is our second one in school history. We needed this. We needed to show everybody um, around the world what kind of a program Coastal Carolina was building and the brand that we were building here. And, you know, I think it, mean, it meant a little more to see we won this game without Grayson McCall, so who is now in Raleigh at NC State. So, Man, it's, this was ma this was magnifying. We needed this. And for us to go and play the way we did, we were all a little nervous going into this game with everything that was going on with San Jose State on the six-game winning streak and the quarterback coming home to Hawaii. We were, we were a little nervous, but they actually went and took this as a very serious game. This was a business trip as usual for the boys and – you know, it's another it's another trophy in the trophy case. It's another ring for a lot of players that didn't have rings. And, you know, Tim Beck, for him to win in his first season, eight wins tying um, Joe Mowgli for most wins in the first season in coastal football history, that's huge. Now what you have to do now is add on to that, which is going to the offseason, recruit hard, get players that want to come ball at the beach and improve on that. Guys, we were one game away from the Sun Belt Championship game and Tim Beck's first season. That's that's huge. And I think that, you know, you know, I keep bringing back bringing it back up, but I think we got our coach and you know, 14 playoff is no more. We got this guy coming in did a lot in his first season and I'm looking forward to the future. This is huge. I'm looking forward to it. I think that, you know, Tim Beck is going to get it going. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think the expansion of the playoff is massive for Coastal Carolina. They have to deal with with the remnants of of James Madison uh, after Coach Signetti uh, basically took everything in the kitchen cabinet with him to Indiana, which is as much as Jamie Chadwell is a snake, and we'll talk about him and his Liberty program, I, I do respect he didn't come to Coastal and take anybody with him, right? He could have recruited Grayson McCall. He could have come in and take it. I mean, he took the coaching staff with him, but good. Uh, I'm, I don't, he didn't. I don't, 
miss post any of a them picture for a second. of our playbook or roster saying let's get more players at his new yeah. desk like right he's still a snake for taking the liberty job but like he didn't do what coach Signetti did which is like destroy the program he built he brought one player with him from coastal to liberty and it was a player who retired and and he was just like i guess i can play another season if you really need me to so I, I got to give give Chadwell a little bit of credit for that. Mario, this sets up an offseason that's really interesting. You've already got a quarterback that's committed to Coastal out of the portal in Noah Kim. You've got Vasco, who played really well in the last game. You've got Blake Boda, a highly recruited uh, guy behind him. You've got a lot of questions. Coastal Carolina is almost rebuilding. This seems like the end of an era. Do you agree with that statement? Do you think this is is now turning the page into a new era and a new type of style and team for Coastal Carolina? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whenever there's no more Grayson McCall, it's the end of an era, regardless of who else leaves. But not just Grayson McCall leaving, but the end of Sam Pickney being at Coastal Carolina. Now you got Jared Brown leaving, and you, you really look at it. It's almost the end of an era for a lot of players that have been here for a decent amount of time. And it's the end of an era for the players that were here maybe one season that we were looking at and we were saying, hey, this guy's really good. A lot of these guys are going to be gone. But to be honest with you, this is the part of football that I absolutely love because I don't want us to be known as the coastal team that was really good. But because we had Grayson McCall or because we had the, uh, the Black Swarm, I want us to be known as the coastal team that came in. Uh, came into the FBS, basically started off with a bang and was able to carry that along. And I do feel like this is a big test for Coach Tim Beck. First, congratulations to Coach Tim Beck on winning the Hawaii Bowl. But I'll say this, that is the first step completed. I still think there's more to go. I still think that Tim Beck is, his seat has cooled down a little bit, but I still think that his seat is a little warm. I think that there are a lot of things in this season that went wrong that I think that we need to look at and say it's not over yet i don't want to keep on riding the high wave the low wave so i think that this is the first step completed for tim beck's coaching career and to build his legacy at coastal and i mean your first year as a coastal carolina head coach your first year as a head coach in general you you win eight games so that's a a, a big accomplishment in itself jamie chadwell's first season he wasn't doing that great so i think that looking at it now with all these players leaving it's sad for sure. You know, we're not going to see most of these players in Teal ever again. But I also think it's really exciting because now you got Noah Kim. Now you got other guys coming in. Now we get to see what Ethan Vasco is about. Since there's, as of right now, besides maybe him and Noah Kim, there's not much quarterback competition. So I do think that this is a very exciting chance for Tim Beck to build a team that he wants to build around opposed to just building around a team that was already there and I think that this is a big opportunity for Tim Beck to show that he is a really good head coach he can work with any player that there possibly is to work with and on top of that his system is the system that works I still think there is a lot of questions about Tim Beck I do like Tim Beck I like his attitude and mentality but there are a lot of questions that still need to be answered but as far as the first step which is winning a bowl game having eight wins in your first season. So far, he's checking the boxes. You just got to check the rest. Yeah, before I turn it over to Josh to make a point, I, I do want to make a quick statement. I think that Coastal Carolina is in a very unique situation, and, and the closest comparison that I can make to it is Colorado of last year. It didn't work out for Dion, but Dion was able to go into the portal and make a team that he saw fit his vision. 
Tim Beck is going to do that in a different way. He's going to do it through recruiting. He's going to bring in a lot of guys in the portal simply because Coastal has a lot of guys going out in the portal. He's got the scholarships available to do that. He's not rebuilding from like four scholarship players like Colorado did. But Tim Beck has a really unique situation put in front of him in that he's building this team in his own image for the first time. And and he gets to do that as a second year head coach and basically start over from scratch. So that's got to be super exciting for him. Josh, I'll turn it over to you. Well, I think it's funny. It's funny that Vasco played so well in the ball game and was able to throw the ball well. And it's just funny to me because we talk about and, and you see Tim Beck wants to run his more like traditional air raid, get the ball quick. And it's just funny to me that Vasco continues to just find success because like, I don't know, but Ethan Vasco is about as far away from a Tim Beck style quarterback as you can get, but the kid wins games. And I know it just hurts Tim Beck to like go into the games and know that he's just like to win the games. It's about winning and he has to run this option style offense that allows him to roll out and make throws and whatever but at the end of the day the kid wins and it'll be very interesting to me on how much that factors into the quarterback debate going forward obviously Noah Kim even though he's hasn't found anywhere near the success in college as Vasco has and I don't even think that's a debate in college now um he's more of a Tim Beck style quarterback and the contrast of styles is just hilarious to me because at the beginning of this season, you see Tim Beck come in and try to shove his offense down our throats. And then it really took, he figured it out a little bit with McCall before McCall got hurt. And then it really took Vasco to come in for Tim Beck to go more option and really adapt to whatever the players were in need. And I think we saw a lot of growth with Tim Beck over that, over the year. Like he grew a lot, in my opinion, in terms of adjusting his game plan in order to win games, use the guys that he has now and not who he wants to have, or try to turn these guys into people that they're not. But on the, on the clean slate thing. So we all remember those, that 2020 team, that 2021 team, really, there were only really two guys on this team that were a part of that. And I think that now that those guys are gone, it is a clean slate. Like all those faces that we remember, like shoot, Isaiah likely is now so far removed. He's killing it in the NFL right now. It feels like years ago, years and years that he was at coastal, but Grayson McCall obviously is gone, but a guy that doesn't get a lot of as much love as he probably should. And who was on that 2020 team was Reese white. And now he gets a chance to declare for the draft. I hope he gets a chance somewhere. Um, obviously running back's a tough spot, but he goes into the draft as a Coastal Carolina Sean Eclair. He was on all of those teams, and I just wanted to shout out Reese for all of the success that he's helped us get. But now that those guys are gone, it is a new era. It is a completely new era. The one thing that these guys now have in common is the Hawaii Bowl, not the Cure Bowl, not that 2020 season. And I think that really just – severs us into a new era and I'm excited and he has a lot of work to do in the offseason but I think that with JMU going down in, in App State there's questions and Georgia Southern and State both kind of fell off at the end of the season the Sun Belt East at least way too early rankings it's here for the taking for Coastal Carolina I don't foresee any juggernauts heading into next season and I'm very excited about next season and beyond for for Coastal and Tim back in that regard. 
Yeah, it's it's weird how much of a shadow Grayson McCall casts on the team because it still feels like the era of 2020, even though Teddy Gallagher is long gone. Silas Kelly has played years in the XFL now, you know, like this that team still feels like it's around because Grayson McCall was still around. And so now that he's gone and the last remnants of that are gone and the mighty mites and Will McDonald and all those, you know, like everyone that was a part of all of that. And, and they are incredibly important to coastal's history. They will be incredibly important to coastal's future, but it feels like now you're, you're done. We're done here. We are no longer the 2020 Cinderella's. We're no longer mullets versus Mormons. We are now coastal Carolina. We are an established group of five football power and we're going to continue to build off of that, and that's super exciting. A little bit of news and notes. We'll we'll go over a couple things. Uh, Coastal Carolina has added to their schedule. Um, if you uh, haven't seen it yet, the uh, East Carolina Pirates are coming to uh, to Conway. Uh, that's a very exciting matchup. You're you're opening yourself up in in 2025 to what's an insane non-con schedule. They they play at Virginia. They play at home with Charleston Southern. That's a Carolina team. They play at home against East Carolina, and then they go to williams Bryce to take on South Carolina. I really like the direction the athletics department is taking with those moves. You're going to have three battles of the Carolinas. It's something that we've wanted for a long time. We never understood why Coastal Carolina, as much fun as the Rose Bowl was, why are you scheduling UCLA, right? Why are you scheduling these weird matchups that make no sense for coastal Carolina as an opponent. Let's play the Carolina teams. And I wish they would do it. They do it all the time in baseball, but basketball, they seem to avoid the Carolina teams except for like upstate who beats them anyways. But it's, it's a really weird thing, but I'm excited that they're doing it. Jordan, I know it's two years from now, but what does that non-conference lineup signal to you? Do you think Coastal Carolina is taking these regional rivalries seriously now? Absolutely. And I think that with them taking it more seriously, I think we'll get tougher competition as well in the region. Who knows? We might maybe even get Clemson. That would be great, too. I would like to play Clemson. It's, it's big. We need we need a tougher schedule. We need to try to get into um, bigger and better bowl games. Don't get me wrong. Hawaii Bowl was great. Pure Bowl was great. That's where we got our two bowl, bowl game wins in. But let's be honest. I think our fans, we deserve something bigger and better than that. And I think that with a tougher schedule like this, I think it, it shows. I think it's going to show a lot. Virginia is going to be good. I think Charleston Southern is going to be good. They're always pretty decent when it comes to their football program. East Carolina gives us an opportunity to try to get a lick back on them. They beat us down pretty well in the Birmingham Bowl, and I think that's an opportunity for us to get them. South Carolina, we were supposed to play them in 2020, but with due to COVID and everything that happened in 2020, we didn't get a chance to play them. So I think that's a good opportunity for us to go into Williams-Brice. Um, Shane Beamer's doing some some things there in, at Carolina, and I think that you know with him doing what he's doing at Carolina, Tim Beck doing what he's doing at Tim Beck, that should be – a uh, matchup. I'm looking forward to it. I think that uh, the athletic department definitely needs to try to do this more every year, try to make this the schedule even harder. And I think it's going to bring out the best in our coaches and not only our coaches, but our players. When we play tougher competition, I think it brings out the best in us. I We played UCLA this year. We were pretty much one or two possessions away from winning that game. So I think that it's going to do wonders for our players and our coaches going forward. I love it. 
I, I really do thinking back, the more and more I think back on that UCLA game, I think we are one 75 yard Dante Moore pass away from winning that game. Like if, if he just didn't have that one play drive where he scored a touchdown, I really think Coastal Carolina pulls off the upset in the Rose Bowl, but that's just my dumb opinion. Jordan, I, I, I like your answers there. I like the way you're thinking and I like how... I like how the athletics department is thinking too. I think Coastal Carolina needs to focus on home. You're not going to win the recruiting battles against South Carolina and Clemson and, you know, North Carolina state and East Carolina and, and these local schools. If you're not playing them and testing yourself against them, if you are avoiding them constantly, and it looks like that's what Coastal Carolina has been doing in football for a while now then you leave yourself open to, hey, well, we we played in Los Angeles, so a bunch of kids in Los Angeles watched us. Not really. That stadium was empty. Like, let's be real here. You weren't a draw in Los Angeles, so you're not winning that recruiting battle. It's cool that we played in the Rose Bowl. It's the It's still one of the coolest experiences of my life, but it didn't win you anything. Playing at South Carolina, and as long as you don't get embarrassed, even if you lose that game, as long as it's, 34 to 30, who cares? You showed all those kids in in South Carolina that are, you know, debating between being a backup at USC and being an immediate starter at Coastal. Like, hell, I can go to Coastal and make a difference immediately. We lost a recruiting battle last year, a high-profile one for a quarterback out of Florence. Um, Chose to be, like, the fourth stringer at South Carolina when he could have come here as a true freshman. And honestly, given our quarterback situation... He would have played games this year. He straight up would have been a starter for us for a couple of games this year. So I think the athletics department pushing this narrative and, and pushing to be a more local um, opponent base is, is a really smart, really good move. Mario, I'll come to you for the last topic on the docket, uh, at least for Coastal Carolina. We'll talk national news here a little bit. This bowl win uh, sets Coastal Carolina up for a lot of success next year. It's way too early to give predictions it's way too early to have a record but rate your confidence level with this team and this program right now on a scale of one to ten ten being i think they're winning the national championship well look the fan of me would love to say ten but i'm gonna be honest if you if you really ask me i'll say about like a 7.5 7.5 i'll say because First of all, Coastal Carolina is not winning no national championship. As much as in my dreams, I would like to go to bed and dream about us becoming national championships. Actually, uh, I had a dream that Coastal was playing Alabama in football. A lot of people were there. That's never going to happen, okay? And if it does, we're getting beat 50 to nothing, and that's them being generous. So that's never going to happen. But I do think that the Sun Belt is for the taking, like Josh said. I do think that we can put ourselves potentially in the playoff bracket we could potentially do i'm not saying it's not out of the picture you know it might be a little bit of a long shot but it's not out of the picture i do think that there are going to be problems though because we obviously see what they did with florida state we obviously and then obviously looking at the games that happened during the bowl games and seeing um and seeing usc beat louisville by over two touchdowns looking at all that and people questioning whether florida state really deserved to be there so it might be, I, I again, let's be honest, Coastal Carolina, when it came to the rankings and the AP rankings and all and all of that, the coaching rankings, Coastal Carolina always got screwed. The year that we were going 12-0, and 0, we didn't, we, we were ranked pretty high, but 
let's be honest, we always just seem to kind of lack votes. It just seemed like they never took us seriously. And I do believe that in this first year, it's going to be the same exact thing. There are going to be times where we feel like we should be ranked and they're just not going to give it to us. So Coastal Carolina is really going to have to make a statement next year. But the reason why I say 7.5 is because I still think that Tim Beck can come in here and have at least a 10 plus one season. I do think that this Coastal Carolina team could at least be in the finals for the Sunbelt Championship. And we say that every single year because they have a good chance every single year. It just seems like something happens to where we just can't make it or we lose. But I do believe that this is the year as of right now because there is no juggernaut. James Madison, unless they're just this program like we were, that just came in, start off with a bang, and it's going to be this program that just ends up kicking everybody's ass. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that Coastal Carolina has a great chance to win the Sun Belt Championship, has a great chance to win two consecutive bowl games, and has a great chance just to be a team in the Carolinas being put on the map and saying, hey, look, this is a place that you want to play football at. And I remember Curtis asking us this question about whether Coastal Carolina should be a theater school, just bring all these athletes in for a year or two, and then they leave. And I'm perfectly fine with that. But let's be honest, if Coastal Carolina this season can make a big difference, I think that we might be a theater school, but I do think there are going to be a lot of guys that might end up wanting to stay for those three to four years. So this season is huge, and I have all the confidence in the world that Tim Beck and whoever his team is can make it work, but they have to make it work. Tim Beck cannot come into this season and make the same mistakes that he did season one. He has to come in here and he has to be better, but I have a lot of confidence that he'll get this team right, and we're going to see a lot of improvements. Yeah, Mario, I just want to clarify, though, um, you talk about rankings in terms of the playoff. That actually, like, pretty much won't matter anymore. It's not the top 12 teams in the country. The winner of the Sun Belt, regardless of record, as long as the Sun Belt is a top six conference in the country, will get in. It's just the conference champion. The team probably won't, like, if, if it had been this year, Troy would be in the college football playoff. It's not the top 12 right. teams. Top right. well, six conference crazy. champions get in. Call me crazy. I have some feeling. I don't, I have some feeling. I just don't trust the, I just don't trust the committee. I just don't trust the committee. Well, it's not like up to the committee. Yeah, it's, it's not top up to six the committee. Because and the way they, that they determine the six conferences is just a mathematical algorithm. Exactly. It's and and you got to remember the Pac-12 is now the Pac. There's only dead. nine conferences now next year up yep. for this. So, so as long as the Sun Belt's a top six out of nine conferences, the Sun Belt champion will get into the playoff regardless. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope that they don't try to screw not not just coastal but the Sun Belt in general. I just hope they don't try to screw it and put it as a and try to put it down lower than what it really is because the Sun Belt, it is a fairly competitive co conference and i do think that we are one of those top six teams but i don't i don't know unless the rank unless the ranking committee does right i just don't see it yeah I think well the only time that the playoff committee gets involved now which i think this is a whole whole different thing and i think it's a way better system but the only thing they get involved in is choosing the six at larges, which Coastal will right. never <clears throat> ever be one of those six at larges. You'll have because really it'll be Michigan, like the Ohio top State game every, eight every teams. Year. Yes, because yeah, some of the conference championships, some of the conference champions won't be ranked, and they'll just get in by virtue of being the because winner. Because here's here's the scenario that can happen, Mario. Coastal Carolina can be six and six and win the Sun Belt East because they lost all their non-conference or whatever, 
they go to the Sunbelt Championship game. They win the Sunbelt Championship game. They're now seven and six. But the Sunbelt as a conference is ranked in the top six conferences. And Maybe Coastal the sixth will go seed to the in playoff the... as a seven and six team. You're going to see that now where like before you had to be undefeated or one loss and your one loss had to come to a very specific team in order to get into the top four. Now you're going to have almost like a March March Madness kind of feel to it where you're going to have like the St. Bonaventure will make it, you know, every <laughs> couple of years. So here, here's my question for y'all. Do you see any possibility, any scenario where either the Sunbelt itself screws itself over where we're not a top six team? Or do you see any scenario where the committee just looks at the Sunbelt and goes, yeah, we're putting this team at this conference at seven or eight? No, the, the committee has the, no ranking on the conferences. No, the 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 rankings of the conferences themselves they'll be public be as well. Yes, they're published and they're a mathematical <coughs> like equation. It has nothing to do with anybody's opinion. The only way that the Sun Belt is not a top six conference is if the MAC has like a dream year and the American is is way up and then you've got coastal at number seven right like and, that's yeah that's you basically just have to be better than conference USA which coastal and and the Sun Belt will be every year okay. you have to be on par or slightly better than the Mac and you have to be better than like the Mountain West who or has like the one American good team, or the American yeah. like and and the Sun Belt will be every year. We've seen it time and time again where the Sun Belt is the and best remember the American players. is losing SMU even next year, so they get weaker. Like yeah. the Sun Belt should be at least for the next four to five years. I don't see why the Sun Belt's not a top six conference you can every start year. Thinking of the of the Sun Belt in terms of like basketball and March Madness as they're an auto bid league, Pretty right? Much. Like, like they they will get a team in every year regardless. And it, it's going to make conference championships truly mean something, even at the Power Five level. Like yes. if Louisville had won that game this year, they'd be in regardless. And yep. Florida State, if they had won that game, they won't get screwed because they are the conference champion. Like it, it should resolve a lot of stuff like that. And in that aspect, it'll be better. And it's certainly better for the Sun Belt because I guarantee you the Sun Belt gets a team in the playoff next year. Just the well, money and notoriety alone is it'd be it's huge. So well, as long as that's the process and as long as they're not going to pull some fast one or whatever the case is, then I'm all for it. You know, maybe turn our confidence to like an 8, 8.5. Turn to because we do, because if that's, if we have a really good chance to even have, just an opportunity in the playoffs. I'm all, I'm all for it, you know. And if down the line we end up playing some powerhouse football school and we get B, or maybe you know, hopefully by the slimmest chances we pull off that upset, then it, it, this could be the season where it does huge wonders for Coastal Carolina. So confidence is pretty high, regardless. Yeah, I mean, they never thought that a 16 seed would beat a one seed, and now it's happened twice in the last decade. Like it, it's, it's this thing of, and I don't understand, you know, I, I do understand. I take that back. I understand the college football purists who are like, it should be one versus two in the national championship game. And you just, you know, the two best teams fight it out and the winner of that game's champion. But I don't know how any sports fan can look at the new playoff and poo poo it and say that it's not a good system and it's not worth it um, because you will have Cinderella's every couple of years. I'm not saying that Alabama is going to lose to, you know, Ohio, but Virginia lost to UMBC. Or is that what it was? 
University of Maryland, Baltimore College. Yeah, like, why do I Purdue, know that? Not the acronym. <laughs> and Purdue lost to Fairleigh Dickinson, who only yeah. got into the tournament because the team they lost to at their conference championship was ineligible. They didn't even win their conference. Jesus. And they were like a sub three thirty Ken Palm team. Like that's gonna happen eventually in football. Yeah, you're gonna have some miracle run, and I think it'll be harder to do in football than it is in basketball. A lot harder, but it'll happen, right? Like App State beat Michigan in 05. So like it's it'll happen. It just will. So I think it's it's exciting, and I think Coastal Carolina has set itself up to be competitive in the Sun Belt. And because you're competitive in the Sun Belt, you're competitive on a national scale now, right? You're not excluded from the country club. So it's really exciting. Um, last couple of notes. We'll go uh, round table. Uh, how exciting and how how much fun was it for you guys to watch Liberty get their shit kicked in? Josh? I You said it earlier, but we enjoyed every second of it. They didn't rest any of their players, but neither did Oregon. They were, they were shots for the day, and we had – that was as active as our Twitter's been since the, the bowl game. And for good reason, um, everybody can band together and at least agree, agree on that. And it was really a bonding day for the whole Sunbelt too, because as it turns out, pretty much the whole Sunbelt hates Liberty. So it was, it was great to see. They, they talked all that mess all season. They said they were going to claim a national championship if they went undefeated and they lost by 39 points and could have just as easily been 70. So enjoyed every minute of it. Quarterbacks in the portal. Um, bye. And enjoy Conference USA is all I have to say, because you'll be the ninth conference out of nine every year for like the next 20 years. So it was very enjoyable. Yeah. When when Delaware is your second best team, I think you're kind of you're kind of screwed when it comes to the new playoff system. Jordan, your quick little hitter. Uh National championship prediction, dogs versus Wolverines. Give it to me. And some people may be shocked by this, but I'm actually going to take Washington in the national championship game. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. is playing as good as any quarterback um, in the playoff. The guy who threw for 400 yards against Texas. I know it's the Big 12, but, um, you know, that's still something to show that you, you threw for 400 yards in the Sugar Bowl. Um the team has been overlooked and underdogged all season long, and I think that they're going to continue to take that motivation into Monday night against a really good Michigan team. And I, I, I'm happy Michigan finally got over the hump, but I just feel like Washington's got something more to play for, has a little more to play for. So I'm going to take the Huskies on Monday night for the national championship. All right, Mario, you're, you're a little quick hitter before we get out of here. Are the Longhorns back? Is Texas back? Well, look. Credit to the Longhorns. You know, they had a really good season. Their defense was great, but he stepped in front of Michael Penix. And I've been saying this. I love Michael Penix. I love what he stands for. I love that he's not afraid to, you know, proclaim his faith. I'm, I'm, I I just love everything about the kid. He's humble. You know, he gives his teammates credit. And on top of that, he's just a beast. I mean, let's be honest. He is just a beast. He can throw with both hands. I mean, I can keep going, going on and on. But to answer your question, for this season, it was horns down. I do think that Texas is going to be a very good team. Do I think that they're going to hit this level again? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, and you know what? The Texas Longhorn fans might not like me. I might get some cowboy, you know, just chanting slurs at me, but I don't care. Okay. Because the truth is 
you guys had a really good season. You know, you guys had a really great defense. You know, you guys get a lot of good running backs. You know, Baxter is very, very good. You have a freshman running back in blue who's going to be absolutely great for a very, very long time. But, I mean, I just can't see you guys repeating a season like that ever again. I just can't see it. You know, you're going to have to be Alabama at least every single year. You're going to have to. I just can't see it. I can't see it happening. But I do want to say congratulations to them on having a great season. It's just, you know, I hate to tell you, but I saw this coming. I, I saw I saw Michael Penix whooping you guys' ass a mile away, you know, and and I, there's nothing else I can say about it. I'm super excited for this national championship. J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix, those are the two quarterbacks I wanted to see in this championship. I think they're two of the clutchest quarterbacks in college football. Call me crazy. I don't care. I think they're two of the clutchest quarterbacks in football. I, I, I've been saying that they're two of the best quarterbacks in college football even before this happened so i'm excited to see it i'm glad that they're getting the recognition they deserve but as far as all the longhorn fans you know you guys had a great season i do think you guys are going to have good seasons to come but i just can't see a run happening for you guys like that in quite a decent amount of time so horns down yeah just just to summarize that for everyone uh horns down uh no absolutely not texas will never be back uh, screw that team. They're the reason college football is completely ruined and sucks as a product. Horns down, horns down forever. Uh, and if the SEC adopts the Big 12 rule where like opponents cannot give the horns down signal or else it's an automatic penalty, uh, the SEC is just as big a cowards as we thought they were uh, avoiding uh, playing a team like Coastal Carolina. Uh, we haven't played an SEC opponent in a long time. We know that they're pussies for it, uh, and they're proving it by uh, by implementing that rule. So uh, just putting it out there again, that is horns down. Uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up there. Thanks a lot for, for tuning in. Uh, first episode of 2024 in the books. A lot, lot more to come up. Um, we have a recruiting episode that we'll, we'll go through the film and watch some of these guys. I know coastal Carolina isn't getting the four and five star guys that you've heard about all cycle. So we'll, we'll go in and do some research for you, let you know what to expect in the incoming class. Uh, basketball sucks. So don't expect to hear a lot about basketball because it's painful to even talk or think about that team. Um, they lost to NC A and T. Uh, what is it about a week ago now? Uh, NCA and T had one win entering that game. Uh, and coastal Carolina still to this day has one division one victory on the season. It's going to be a long one, but the very good news is that the very, very good baseball team is, uh, coming in. Josh just finished doing all the media work for them today. Um, so that season is coming up very, very quickly. So with that, I'll go ahead and sign us off. Follow us on X at the Shant show on Instagram at Shant show. Hit us up with questions. Think about uh, what you want to see from us in the near future. Let us know. And uh, we'll see you guys very soon. As always, Shant's up. Fire Cliff Ellis. He still needs to be fired. I know he's gone, but he left a dumpster heap. He cannot be in that advisory role to the basketball program. Uh, with the way that this is going. Fire him again for the second time.